In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. This show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight to win it. For our families... For our community, the safety war starts now. And for our lives. I like our new introduction there a little bit. We're changing things up here uh, in the next few weeks, and we'll keep you updated. So I just spent a wonderful weekend up in Ticonderoga, New York, and Lake George at Trek Conderoga. I got to meet a couple of my favorite Star Trek stars: Gates McFadden, Tracy Coco, Brent Spiner, and who could forget John Q. Delancey. We had a wonderful time. Uh, that's one of our favorite vacation spots. But as we all say in Star Trek, all good things must end. Just to let you know, that was the title of the last Next Generation episode. So a lot's been going on out here in the safety war, uh, especially on the news end. Uh, essentially, Congress this past week had shot down, or it might have been the week before, depending on the news outlet you watch, that uh, OSHA fines would be significantly increased. As we all recall, back in 2015, a lot of these laws were changed, and every January, the OSHA citation, penalties citations, increased in accordance with inflation, usually three or four percentage points a year, something like that. I don't know how much of an impact it has had with compliance, we're still getting the same number of fatalities every year where people are still getting hurt. Sort of like our discussion last week with the DUI or DWI uh, uh, situation where things have pretty much leveled off and what we need is a systemic uh, approach here. Probably needs to be some type of major uh, reform package here. What that, what form that would take, I have no idea, but it's, we seem to have leveled out. What seems to be one of the... Uh, uh, things, right, what, what I'm looking at here with this is that they have this citations and there are guidelines in those citations where, depending on your company size and different situations, they're allowed to go lower than uh, the $70,000 uh, limit uh, that they have, significantly lower, and there's some discretion on there. Apparently, the 
discretion would be removed. Is essentially it. That didn't fly too well, uh, apparently, with uh, Congress. Something else we want to point out here. There's been a lot of talk on this Inflation Reduction Act, a lot of things that are in it. There's been a lot of memes going back, back and forth with it. And I wanted to make sure everybody goes. And before you start sending things around on social media, people who should know better than that, should check, double check, and triple check what the news is on this. One of the things is uh, uh, that the government will be hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. Well, first of all, that's phased in over 10 years. Uh, there's a lot of attrition going on inside the IRS. The IRS has shrunk in re recent years, and this will bring it back eventually to the number that was earlier last decade, 2012, 2013. Am I for this or against it? I can't go either way on this. I'm trying to remain neutral, at least on the air. But the important thing to remember is that you should research things before you send them out, regardless of who the source is. Here's another story coming out of Tampa, Florida. And this is uh, from a 2017 incident where molten slag fatally burned five workers. The news headline from the Department of Labor is Federal Court Orders Tampa Electric Company to Make Significant Workplace Safety Changes, Pay a $500,000 Fine, and Face 36 Months Probation for Fatal Plant Failures. A federal court has ordered Tampa Electric Company to implement a safety compliance plan audited by an independent third party, pay a $500,000 penalty, and be subject to 36 months of probation after Tampa Electric pleaded guilty to willfully violating an OSHA standard, which caused five worker fatalities in 2017 at the Big Bend River Station electrical power plant in Apollo Beach. The Department of Justice's Environmental Crimes Section and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Middle District of Florida prosecuted the case. This it's one of those few cases that we hear about, at least in the news, on an actual criminal level uh, prosecution, in this case of a company, uh, uh, with no, by the government. This normally doesn't happen. Uh, what exactly happened there, I'm, I'm, I wasn't consulting on this one, uh, but five workers uh, shouldn't have died, obviously. They willfully exposed the workers, and this is according to the report, to the risk of serious injury or worse, I will be held accountable. Okay, great. Sounds to me like it was, uh, and here it is. A company working for the uh, power company failed to develop procedures to control hazardous energy. That is lockout and tagout, lotto. Uh, a lot of folks don't believe that the lotto standard actually prevents a lot of injuries. I'm here to tell you a short story here. A couple years back, I had a client who was at a facility and they had multiple lot out, lockout tagout violations. And it was all from the younger workers. So what I did was, and I did something I normally don't do, is I went for the blood and gore. So if you're a safety trainer, you know, blood and gore, that worked at a, in a period of time in the 1990s. Uh, I got in in 1992. So in that time period, you'd see blood and gore and people would go and, ah, okay, we can show that. Being 2022, or in my case, it was like 2017, you normally don't do that. So, uh, I kept on asking people, hey, uh, what happened, you know, what, uh, 
how come you guys are not obeying any rules here? Any of the lockout tagout rules? And they said, well, no one ever gets hurt with those. So what I ended up doing was uh, finding, and I'm not going to mention the website, a, for lack of a better word, snuff website where people got hurt, get killed, and things of that nature. And we found lockout tagout accidents where things were not locked down and tagged out. People got sucked into machinery. It was gory and everything else. So I had scheduled our regular Friday safety meeting, and I told everybody there, if you don't want to attend, that's fine. This is going to be a little bit of blood and gore and everything else, blah, blah, blah. And everyone said, well, how bad could it be? I said, it's bad. We go in, and we show everybody this stuff, people getting sucked in, arm losing arms, you name it, they did it. What do you think happened? We never had a lockout tagout situation from the younger crews. The older crews already knew, the older, it was a construction company and an oil refinery. They knew already, lockout tagout, it's just something you do every day. Every, anytime you have hazardous energy, not only electric, but it could be stored energy, uh, water coming in, product coming into tanks, things of that nature. So if you want a safety training session, contact us. Jim at safetywords.com, 845-269-5772. Something else that happened during this investigation in Florida was that there were several other incidents related with slag tanks and workers getting injured, right? And uh, what it ended up was things apparently never changed. The company failed to train employees or on-site contractors in new procedures, and they ran into some issues here. And for our last question. Uh, our last story here is uh, out of a company in uh, Mayfield, Kentucky, who received seven OSHA violations, according to the United States Department of Labor. And they were issued the citations. Nothing's been litigated. They could be innocent. To, no, they're innocent to, uh, before found guilty, right? The whole Miranda stuff in the United States. But basically, there are a whole bunch of violations uh, in, uh, earlier this year which ended up, uh, no, the proposed penalty is $40,000, but basically it comes down to simple basic things, maintenance, safeguards, and operational features for exits, meaning that the exits have to be free and unobstructed in your workplace. That's a relatively simple thing. An emergency action plan. A lot of employers feel that they don't need an emergency action plan. They absolutely do. Uh, and there has to be a no, depending on your situation, you have to maintain an employee alarm system using a distinctive signal, and you have to review the emergency action plan at the beginning of when you hire someone, and then uh, when the plan changes or if there's any other uh, changes in it, like the employee starts a new job. And of course, the Bloodborne Pathogen uh, program. Why uh, would you need that? Well, my employees are not exposed to bloodborne pathogens. Well, if you're requiring them to potentially respond to an emergency, especially first aid or anything like that, you need to train for bloodborne pathogens. Uh, with that, it's actually probably should be standard for everybody, which it probably is. Uh, I, I can't think of a workplace where you would not need some of this training, but this is again, another one of the uh, OSHA regulations that you need to file follow. So that's maintenance and safeguards, emergency action plans, and bloodborne pathogens. And another story local to me here in Rockland County, New York, a roofing contractor with a history of being fined for unsafe working conditions uh, got, got cited 
uh, for a proposed penalty of $1.3 million. So what happened was a roofing company on a residential project fell off of a roof. Uh, they had an employee fall off a roof. And what happened? Obviously, OSHA responded. And what were some of the uh, issues that they found? Again, fall protection training given supplying fall protection safeguards and eye protection for, with eye hazards, specifically uh, pneumatic tools, nail guns, things of that nature. And it's, now how many roofs are you gonna have to build? Right? How many roofs are you going to need to uh, uh, work on to even come up to do this, to, to, to fix this? You're gonna need like $100 million in work. Uh, to actually pay for this uh, using standard uh, profit margins. So, uh, fortunately, some of the news coverage here is pretty good on this story from what I've seen, uh, including here, of course. And uh, the quality of these things, it seems like these fall protection issues come up all the time and they have a pre-written uh, story on it. It's pretty sad here from uh, one of the sources I'm looking at. For our final story and commentary is on a nationally known retailer who every couple of months it seems like they're getting more and more citations from OSHA. And this is something uh, employers don't realize. If you have a large company, you all have the same uh, uh, EIN number. You're all company stores. They're not franchisees or anything like that. It could be any company out there. If a violation happens in one area, in this case a retail store, in one area, one state, and then the same violation happens in another state, could be something like up to three years is usually the cutoff point on here, then they can count it as a repeat violation. And that sort of things get really expensive. In the last uh, 12 months, this one retailer in February got one, got proposed up to, and again, everyone is innocent till proven guilty, and these things are usually negotiated downward on all of these things, these fines. All right. So in February, OSHA proposed more than $1 million in penalties at three locations in one state, and one in an adjoining state found similar hazards. At another location for this retailer, a December 2021 inspected uh, resulted in fines of 321000 These are all proposed. What were the fines for? Primarily trip hazards and keeping things normal and keeping things orderly. Housekeeping issues. Why are they housekeeping issues important? You need to have a safe exit during an emergency. You can't have people tripping and then fall uh, no, during a false alarm or something like that. Then you have a real issue there with uh, people. No, let's say there's a false alarm. People trip. They fall. They break a leg. What have you. Now you have an issue. Since 2017, according to one source I'm looking at, there has been proposed uh, 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 fines of more than $6.5 million for this employer. And it's always the same thing. Now, my question is this. What's going on in the C-suite here? Now, not, no, I, I really don't get it. What's going on in the C-suite with this? And it's uh, similar com companies have similar uh, violations. Basically, everyone I, I've ever spoken to in retail has these violations. Why are they focusing on one. I don't know what the reason is on that. Uh, the other, uh, it could be a lot that you don't know them, not being reported. The thing is this, 
Your C-suite has got to make the case, has got to be gotten through, whatever you want to call it, for these safety violations, for promoting safety. If uh, the C-suite, right, meaning CEO, uh, CFO, and all the other C's, the chiefs, do not have a commitment to safety, then none of this is ever going to happen. And I suspect none of this safety is going to happen, and I suspect they have a high turnover rate at this facility, at this employer. Uh, interesting thing would uh, to do would be, what's the stock price of this? Uh, I'm not going to comment on it because I'm going to get into trouble with the SEC, one of my friends did, uh, commenting on this stuff. What's uh, How's that going to impact the stock prices for any of this stuff? I don't know. That's part of the safety war that we have to fight all the time. We're going to finish up with an update on the monkeypox situation. There's been some reports that, well, I mean from official government websites, that monkeypox uh, can be transmitted on some surfaces. We're going to do some research on that later this week. But uh, Jay Allen, the last time I was on his program, asked, why am I involved in polio and all this other stuff in you know, polio, monkeypox, uh, you know, COVID? Why is this a passion for me? Because it's in my neighborhood. So with the monkeypox cases, uh, out of all the states here, New York is one of the epicenters right where I live. And in the metropolitan area, Metro New York City, which includes nine counties, usually for actuary uh, purposes, it's nine counties. Uh, this is right in my neighborhood. Right now in Nassau County, according to uh, New York State Department of Health, that's out on Long Island. There were 11 cases, right? The current, uh, there were 11 cases uh, uh, this week, right? More than this, this week than the prior week. We're up 11. Uh, in Rockland County, we're up by two. There were six total. Suffolk County, which is also out on Long Island, they had 39 total cases, up 10 from last week. And Westchester County had an additional 14 cases, which is a 67 case total. So what's my point here is in the metropolitan areas, uh, this is where this seems to be uh, uh, fo uh, focused on. Something to, that we're keeping an eye on here. Uh, I don't want to create a panic, but it is something we need to keep an eye on here with uh, uh, accurate information and also how it impacts us. Other states that have this are California, uh, Texas, and Florida. Big population centers. Something we're going to keep an eye on here, and we encourage everyone to do their own research before they do anything with medical stuff. So fortunately, on the polio front, we're still at one case here in Rockland County, but we know, based on wastewater treatment uh, plant samples, that there are probably several hundred people with this illness. And one of the controversies is, uh, in certain communities, uh, Vaccination rates are as low as 36% roughly, but most of the people in this country are the vaccination rates around 90%. Now, you can say, well, there's one case, blah, 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 blah. It's in an insulated community, insular community, and that community is all over the East Coast and also in Denver. So, is it possible that this community is really going to be negatively impacted? Yeah. And no, appropriate medical response, whether that's vaccinations or something else, needs to take place. As usual, always check with your doctor for medical advice, not some guy on the internet like me. Uh, we'll be keeping up with these cases and everything else, and 
uh, as I uh, stated, there's going to be some changes here, some very exciting changes. And for Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces.